We got a news-heavy show for you today, guys. Elon Musk teaches journalists a lesson. Yes, the gift that I got for my birthday from Elon Musk was an, a journalist purge on the basis of doxing. We're going to get into that and so much more. Folks, America Fest begins tomorrow. If you are in the Phoenix area, if you can get there, just come. It's going to be an absolute blast. Myself, Steve Bannon, Charlie Kirk, Tim Poole, Timcast IRL, the whole gang is getting together. This meeting of the minds will be a working group. We are planning for the entire mission going forward. The plan for America 2023 and 2024 will be unveiled. Ampest.com, promo code POSO, few seats still available. Let's get into it. Uh, yeah, um, well, as I'm sure everyone who's been doxing uh, would agree, you know, uh, showing real-time uh, information about somebody's location is uh, inappropriate, and I think everyone on this call would not like that to be done to them. And and there is not going to be any distinction in the future between journalists, so-called journalists, and, and regular people. Everyone's going to be treated the same. They're not special because you're a journalist. You're, you're just, you're, you're a Twitter you're a citizen. Um, so uh, no special treatment. Um, you dox, you dox, you get suspended in a story. Um, so and 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 and, 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 and ban evasion, ban evasion or like or, or trying to be clever about it. Like, oh, I posted a link to the real time information is obviously uh, that is obviously simply trying to evade the, the, the meaning that is there's no different from than paste than actually showing real time information. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard today's edition of Human Events Daily, powered by Turning Point USA. Today is December 16th, 2022, Anno Domine. Folks, the Poso Purge, the Poso Birthday Purge is upon us as Elon Musk, apparently in honor of my birthday, and hopefully this will be an honor that is bestowed upon my birthday, the day of my birth, greatest day on the calendar, every single day. And every single year going forward, that we purge the journalists and remind them how they are meant to be treated. Because what's going on here? Elon Musk last night started banning every journalist that was doxing him, that was doxing his family in real time, and said, You're done. Then all the lefties go and they hold a Twitter space again on Twitter, which is just the, the meta hilarity of all that just really cannot escape us at this time. We must understand the hilarity of the fact that people who are banned on Twitter still needed to use Twitter to communicate. So they hold an open spaces, which I sat in for a little bit. Spaces, if you're not on Twitter, it's kind of like an open air podcast and anyone can join and anyone can listen at any time. And so I go in, I'm listening for a little bit, but then we're out doing Christmas and birthday stuff with the family. So I'm like, yeah, I don't want to listen to these losers and uh, biodegenerates anymore. But then after I left, apparently Elon gets into the space and tells the journalists to their own faces, you are not special. You are not a special snowflake. Nobody cares about you. And around here, you get no special rules. You get no special handouts, no special carve outs. You get treated just like everybody else. And that's what they're really upset about. So if you're breaking the rules, 
when it comes to doxing. And yesterday we talked about how I do agree that what they were doing was doxing. I do agree. And, and for those who didn't hear, doxing is when you're giving out someone's private locational details at in real time. Okay. So that's something where, you know, they play these games of, oh, you're inciting violence, you're inciting violence, you're causing harm just because you, you know, called somebody a groomer because they were inviting uh, high school kids to uh, to a teacher's home and giving plying them with alcohol and then uh, and then suggesting they get involved in sexual activity, which would literally just happen in California. OK, uh, if I call that person a groomer, then I'm inciting violence against them. No, I don't think so. But if you're posting someone's real time locational data and the data of their families, then, yes, guess what? That is inciting violence or potentially inviting violence, we should actually say. But that's not actually what they're upset about. So they're getting a seven-day ban for this, but they're not upset about that. What they're really upset about is that this is the first time in their entire lives that journalists have been told they're not special. You see, in this country, we used to treat journalists with the disrespect they deserve. The disrespect they reserve. I didn't misspeak there. You can go to the old 90s movies and people used to laugh about journalists all the time. Get the journalists out of here. Clear them out. How many times do you used to hear that? They're nosy. They're stirring the pot. They go after people who don't deserve it. They target people. As Rush Limbaugh used to say, they're drive-bys in terms of the drive-by media. They go into people's lives. They lie about them. They smear them. And then they drive on to the next one. And they never look back at the people they hurt. They never look back at the Nick Sandmans. They never look back at the lies they tell about the Kyle Rittenhouses. They never look back at every conservative, minors, elderly, the lives that they try to ruin. They don't care because all they care about are themselves. By the way, we're also told that Ben Collins, the resident village idiot, of NBC has been benched from reporting on Elon Musk because ever since Elon even discussed buying Twitter, all this guy's been doing, he's supposed to be a journalist of some sort, all he's been doing is making fun of Elon and attacking him. And th there's a problem with that because NBC has, here's the problem with NBC. NBC, you got a problem on your hands. I'll tell you right now. Brandy Zerodny, Ben Collins, all these people that you picked up from the cesspools of far left-wing Twitter they're going to do far more reputational damage to you and your brand than anybody at MSNBC is going to do. People understand that MSNBC is what it is. They don't actually care about it. They don't actually have any issues with it. But these people, these far left sewer scum, they're going to ruin your brand and they're going to ruin your reputation. And people are going to realize that NBC is just another far left loony bin the same way that CNN has become. Do you want to go down like CNN? I don't think so. So what do you do? You got to cut loose the dead weight. You need heads to roll politically and proverbially. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. NBC do what needs to be done. But Elon, I got to say, from me to you, thank you for such a wonderful birthday present. But I'll tell you something else. You know what would be a great gift this year for Christmas? And that's taking away inflation from someone. Now, you can't control your gas prices or your home prices, but you know what you can stop? 
Meat inflation. What the heck is meat inflation? Post. I'm going to tell you right now. Meat inflation is taken away from a subscription to Good Ranchers. Now, during their, their Christmas special, beef prices are expected to go up another 15% in 2023. But Good Ranchers customers who use promo code POSO will experience, guess what, 0% inflation all year long. Why? That's because every subscriber locks in the price for life of their subscription. So you, that's not enough to get you to subscribe. I'll tell you right now. You can get their Christmas offer right now. Two free 12-ounce Black Angus New York strip steaks and two free pasture-raised chicken breasts with any order that uses promo code POSO. Head on over to GoodRanchers.com to find the perfect box for you in their curated selection of America's best meat and seafood. Give the gift of zero inflation and America's best meat to yourself or someone else this season. Good Ranchers' Amer award-winning service and quality are why they have over 7,000 five-star reviews. Remember to visit GoodRanchers.com and subscribe with promo code POSO at checkout to grab the Christmas special. Their best offer of the year, two free Black Angus steaks, two free pasture-raised chicken breast, zero inflation, all with Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. There's been uh, an autonomous zone slash occupation in southern um, Atlanta in a strip of land that is owned by the city. So in September of last year, the city council had um, voted to approve um, the future construction of a police and EMS and firefighters training facility. Um, the land is owned by the city, but it's mostly trees and brush and some abandoned buildings. And in response to that, um, naturally what happened is that Antifa and those on the far left uh, mobilized there and started building um, like barricades and uh, some basic infrastructure. And so they've occupied it to try to stop it. And it escalated now um, since last week into some pretty severe violence. And I, I would argue acts of um, acts of domestic terrorism. So we're actually seeing, believe it or not, that five Antifa militants charged with domestic terrorism outside this violent Antifa autonomous zone in Atlanta, Georgia, just outside Atlanta, Georgia. That's reporting from Postmillennial's editor at large, my colleague Andy No. And uh, for those who don't know, of course, human events and Postmillennial are co-located uh, co under the same umbrella, same company. And so the way this situation played out, you've got these militants, five of them outside living in this forest, set up their autonomous zone on an area they knew that was going to be turned into be for the specific purpose of it turning into a police training center. So again, this is another example of Antifa's long-standing, long-enduring war with law enforcement, with society writ large, society in general. In fact, we're going to be recording and releasing a couple episodes on the history of Antifa, their history in Germany in the 1930s and even into the 1970s in West Germany when they were funded directly by the KGB, when they were funded by the Soviet Union and elements of the East German Stasi. And uh, that's going to come out, I uh, believe, the week, week after Christmas or so, around, around the Christmas break, put it that way. And so what you need to understand is that this is the same exact way that Antifa has been utilized throughout all of the past 20th century for all these decades because what they exist are is for the purposes of destabilizing and destroying our society 
And you look at it. We are a civilization in decline right now. We are. Buildings fall. Roller coasters break. Rides just fall apart because the people maintaining our society do not have the same level of proficiency as they did in the past. There's no standards anymore. And then Antifa comes along, an organization like this, clandestine groups that strike out every once in a while with these types of acts, and they seek to push back on any institution that they don't have full control over in order to hasten that destabilization, to destroy the underpinnings of our society so that a new revolutionary regime can get in. Well, we saw what happened in Germany in the 1930s, and it wasn't the communists that got in, it was somebody else. And then we saw again, or I guess prior to that, with the communist uprising in Russia in 1917, in the October Revolution, who got in there was the Bolsheviks. And so in any of these societies, they were completely destroyed, the people were subjugated. And the original revolutionaries, they were locked up to begin with. So this is how you deal with domestic terrorists. This is how they should always be treated. Lock them up and charge them specifically with domestic terrorism in your states. And I applaud the state of Georgia. It says the GBI, the Georgia Bureau of Investigations has done this. And you look at the biodegenerates that are involved in this thing. Their ages, 25, 20, 22. One kid out of Kennebunkport, Maine, by the way. Kennebunkport, Maine. And again, that's a great example I'm just going to say something. This Kenny Bunkport, Maine, of course, the home of the Bush family. So that's where they have their big, uh, their big, you know, summer hideout is up there. But Kenny Bunkport, Maine, which is a place that I've gone up to in the past, that is one of the richest enclaves in the entire country. These are not the poor. This is not an uprising of the people who are working class, right? And Eric Hoffer writes about this in his book True Believers. Because the true working class doesn't have time for these kind of uh, romanticized movements. They're not going, they don't have the, the money to be able to fly to Spain to fight in the Spanish Civil War, and kill the priests and rape the nuns on the altar. No. These are the sons and daughters of the wealthy, of the upper middle class, people who are bored, people who, as Eric Hoffer once said, never went through a meaningful experience of a rite of passage while growing up. They never had to work summers. They never had to work retail. They never had to work on a hard job. They never had to, as Charlie says, you know, take a shower before work and after work. They never had to do any of those type of jobs. And you lose something. Humans lose something like that when you don't have that meaningful rite of passage. And so you get to a point where you become highly susceptible to any of these mass movements, these mass true leader movements. And Eric Hoffer had a great line in his book, highly recommend everyone read this. The guy was a longshoreman himself, wrote this book back in the 1950s, True Believers. And what he said was, not every mass movement requires a God, but every mass movement requires a devil. And for them, in this case, their devil is white supremacy and the patriarchy and the police. There's a reason, by the way, the police are so targeted in this country. And that reason is simple. That's one of the institutions, one of the only institutions left 
that the far left does not have complete control over. So when you see the police unions, and I'm not going to sit here and play that game like, oh, Pacific, thin blue line, blue lives matter. No, guys, that doesn't mean you just sit there and lick boots and say the police are always right. But what you do point out is say, in general, this is one of the last institutions that is not completely controlled by the left. They target it for a reason, because they want to get rid of local police forces in the United States, because they're now Sharpton's come out and said this. And this goes back to the Obama administration. What was the Obama Department of Justice's plan? For Ferguson, Baltimore, they wanted to get rid of local police forces and establish a national police force. They don't just want the FBI, they want it to be a national police force that's directly run by Washington, D.C., by the federal government. Because they know that the policing power of the states is one of the last pieces of the puzzle that the federal government does not have complete control over. And so when you're sitting there and say, hey man, oh, disband the police, defund the police, you think you're some edgy right-winger saying that, what you're really saying is fund the federal police. Great job, ANCAPs. Great job, you guys. You're going to get us all destroyed. First openly transgender woman set to be executed in the U.S. asked for mercy. Lawyers for Amber McLaughlin, now 49, on Monday asked Missouri Governor Mike Parson to spare her. McLaughlin was convicted of killing 45-year-old Beverly Gwinther in 2003. The first openly transgender woman set to be executed in the U.S. is asking Missouri's governor for mercy, citing mental health issues. Lawyers for Amber McLaughlin, now 49, on Monday asked Republican Governor Mike Parson to spare her. Really? Are we really going to do this? So, I'll just walk through the facts. There is now a death row inmate down in Missouri who in 2003 raped and murdered a 45-year-old woman, sat on death row since 2006, and now suddenly comes out as trans years and years after all of this and immediately gets plugged into the woke injustice complex to come up with a better term for that. The woke injustice industrial complex, the widge, <laughs> um, to which is raising money. Death penalty action apparently is behind this thing and is, is running around everywhere saying, no, 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 no. You can't do this because this person is trans. And now they're raising money. Now they're raising money. They're raising signatures. They're doing the whole thing. The whole project is going forward. By the way, who's on the board of death penalty action? Who's on the board, you know? Roderick Reed. Roderick Reed, who was the brother of Rodney Reed. Yes, that's right. Rodney Reed, who was the rapist, pedophile, and murderer that Kim Kardashian loves, that was on Dr. Phil, that was on Dr. Oz. Yeah, that's right. I said it. Dr. Oz supported Rodney Reed. Dr. Phil. We call him Dr. Pedophil because of that. Kim Kardashian and so many others that went and supported Rodney Reed even though all of the DNA evidence matches and proved that he was the rapist, the pedophile, and the murderer. And not just one case, but in a series of cases. Stacey Seitz was the one that he was convicted for. But there's an entire series of rapes 
that he was also involved in. So let's go back. These, these are the people we're talking about, though. These are the people we're dealing with. Now you got Amber McLaughlin. Amber McLaughlin, whose real name, or I should say birth name, is Scott McLaughlin, is coming out and saying, listen to this, listen to this. A transgender inmate on death row begs for mercy for the rape and murder, which, by the way, it's not questioned that the rape and murder took place. It did. But this is going to create a little bit of a problem because the trans woman is saying that she should get off of death row because of her mental health problems. Does anyone, does anyone else see the, a little bit of a, a little bit of a discrepancy there, a little bit of a problem there to say that they've come out as trans as proof of their mental health issues to try to get out of the death penalty for the rape and murder that they committed back in 2003. So here's the issue. Was it the mental health problems that led to the murder and the rape and the transgenderism? Because if so, that's a big problem for the, see the Wokies haven't actually thought this one through. And that's why, that's why I think that the Innocence Project themselves probably passed on this one because yeah, it's going to get the headlines, but it actually has a little bit of a problem for them because there's a poison pill here. And the poison pill obviously is the contradiction. And so as, as we like to say around here at Human Events, accelerate the contradictions. What do we mean? Simple as that. If you are saying, if your argument is that you are so mentally ill that you could not be criminally, uh, criminally responsible for your crimes of rape and murder, then by the same token, was it this mental illness that drove you to transgenderism? Because we've pointed out in the past that is gender dysmorphia true or not? Obviously it is. Now, if you're going to sit there and have an actual diagnosis of this for all of the people that opt into what we call, it starts with what? The gender affirming care and then later surgery. And you're pushing this on children like Chloe Cole, who, by the way, I don't know if I said this on the show yet, but I did say this on Twitter. I know earlier this week, we put it out as well in the past. We are, I am personally helping Chloe Cole to raise money in order to sue Kaiser Permanente and sue her doctors and psychologists directly for coercing her at the age of 13, 13 to begin gender affirming care, to get surgery and go through this entire process before she, she detransitioned. And so I've decided at this Christmas time, but you know, any time of year, I would have, they reached out to us and you know, I'm not gonna explain how all that works, but they reached out to us and I said, yes, absolutely. Tell me what I have to do. I'm gonna make sure to post that. So I'll, I'll mention it here as well, that we are raising money. I'm gonna put the link out on all my social media platforms. And of course, of course, this should be the way forward. But it does beg an interesting question for us. Let's say that this individual Amber Scott McLaughlin, who, by the way, is being held in a men's prison, just thought I'd point that out, did actually have mental issues. And if so, would those mental issues preclude them from being completely criminally responsible for their crimes? 
And I think there is a moral question there. And I think there is potentially a moral answer, a moral answer of, is there a full on diagnosis? Is there, because if, if someone has a uh, below 100 IQ, if someone should be in long-term mental care, then, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily be somebody that stands for that person's execution, lock them up, throw away the key. Okay. But execution, it seems like a bridge too far. So let's find out more. I'll put it like that. Let's find out more because I got to say though, this looks very much like this person is doing everything they can to save themselves from the executioner's chair. Because the problem for us here is when you're dealing with the death penalty from a social perspective, you're dealing with the question of, does the victim's life matter? Does the victim's life have value and matter for the society or not? That is the lens by which we should always weigh this, by which any society should always weigh this. You want to come out on the side of life. Obviously, we want to always come out on the side of life. And that's why I'm saying look into it. Honestly, look into it. But it really feels like this is someone that's trying to use transgenderism as a sort of uh, cause celeb to try to get out of what they did, the rape and murder of an innocent woman. And I will not stand for that. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.